Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Sharing our real struggles is so critical, especially today when people outside the church um, already think that there's, there's you know, just some artificial um, quality to the church that they can't relate to. Um, you know, I think it's per- for people outside the church too. And the other thing I would say is ultimately we give glory to God. You know, my healing journey is not about Ryan Alexander. It's about Jesus. I, I'm not here today. You know, I heard God's audible voice that one time, but for the last 25 years, every step of the way, it's been Jesus doing what only he can do in my mm-hmm. life. The heartfelt words of Ryan Alexander the lead pastor of a large church, and a pastor who has been very transparent with his congregation about his mental health challenges and how that message has changed his church. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. This is Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program, and our goal, as always, is to use this story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul. So glad to have you on board here at Life Support. Uh, This is a, a program that we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus through suffering and trauma. So glad to have you with us, and we're glad to have Ryan Alexander, who's the lead pastor of Hosanna Church in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and he's got a great story to tell. Ryan, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Paul. It's really good to have you. And you are a pastor of a church here in the in the Twin Cities, Yeah, and um, you're kind of taking things in a, in a new direction, in a direction that not many churches are willing to go. Tell me a little bit about your background and what kind of led up to you talking to your church about these important issues of mental health and so forth. Yeah, happy to do so. Uh, I I grew up, uh, you know, in a pretty normal kind of scenario with, uh, we were a church-going family, uh, and um, and lots of love, lots of um, family oriented activity, and so um, you know, I I was though I, I look back on it now a very anxious kid. Um, there was a lot of anxiety there, and we kind of joke about it now. Like you know, I was afraid of clowns. I was afraid of nuclear war. I mean, third grade, I was in the counselor's office, uh, you know, talking about my fear of nuclear war. But I know now that there was definitely some generalized anxiety, a sense of the world's not safe. The world's not safe. And so I, I grew up, um, and some of that, of course, there's always nature and nurture. You know, I think I was genetically predisposed to um, anxiety, um, but also, you know, there was some environmental, um, experiential stuff that contributed to that. Um, but it all came to a head um, in my late teens and early uh, 20s where, um, and I didn't know what was going on, certainly in my younger years and even then, uh, but it just kind of overwhelmed me. And uh, I came to a point where I did uh, attempt suicide twice, and one when I was 18 and one when I was 20. Both were triggered by breakups. I know now that there was triggering something deeper inside of me, but um, those were some dark times. And uh, you know, I'd be happy to talk more about how I, I, I made it through that. But that's kind of my story in terms of struggling with anxiety, mental health um, issues. So you kind of carried this with you, and then uh, when did you go into the ministry, and 
did you feel like you had to kind of hide that aspect of yourself? Yeah, well, the fact that I ended up in ministry was one of the big surprises of my life, but but it had to do with my story. You know, 20 years old, I'm sitting on the floor um, in, in a hospital um, because I uh, of that suicide attempt and, and had to have my stomach pumped. Uh, I tried to overdose on a medication I was taking, and I was, so I was sitting on a hospital floor, and um, the therapist who was working with me um, had me look into a mirror and say, can you say I love you to this person? Like, I, I can't. I, I can't do it. And um, he said, well, can you think of someone that you that you really love? Um, and can you picture that person and say, I love you to that person? And um, I was able to picture my younger brother, John, who was nine or 10 at the time, and, and we look somewhat alike. And so I was able to look in that mirror and say, I love you to him. And, and then he said, okay, now, uh, what about yourself at age nine or 10? Can you see yourself? And I was able to do that. Um, and then finally, you know, was able to say it my, to myself at, at my current age, at the time, age 20. And anyway, went to bed that night. Uh, something had changed, but I woke up in the middle of the night multiple times, and I, I just heard this whisper, this audible vo- I, I heard the audible voice of God. Wish I heard it, you know, all the time, but it's the one time in my life I just heard these words, I love you. Hmm. I love you. And I woke up five or six times, and uh, that that experience, uh, the the day with the counselor on the floor, and that night changed the, the direction of my life. And it's a direction, it's a journey that I've been on uh, for the last 25 years or so. Um, and, and so you asked the question about bringing this topic to our church. Uh, it was five years ago, uh, six years ago, going on six years now, uh, we did a series called Out, Out of the Shadows. Um, and, and the goal was to kind of begin to break down the stigma around mental health in the church. And uh, I, it was just before, I should say, it was a couple of months before I was going to become the next lead pastor of Hosanna, which uh, um, <laughs> had only known one lead pastor in its entire existence, you know, 35 years, founding pastor Bill Boleyn, and I was the one that God um, uh, chose, tapped on the shoulder to become the next lead pastor. So talk about trauma and going through yeah. you know, a massive sure. transition. Yeah. Um, we could talk about that some other time. Um, but, but a couple of months before I became lead pastor, we did this series, and, and I really wrestled with I just share, you know, everything about my my journey, my struggle with mental health, and ultimately I decided to, um, and you know, some of the of what I just shared with you, I shared with the whole congregation, and uh, I had a bit of a vulnerability hangover the next day, <laughs> but yeah. but yeah. Uh, quickly um, got over that and realized, no, this is this is so worth it, and for me because I felt like I had nothing to hide anymore, so that mm-hmm. was very freeing. And um, for people, I mean, I received hundreds of emails. I mean, normally after a message, you get a few emails, and some people like what you have to say. Some people don't. Um, but, but, but this one was thank you. Thank you. This allows us to, to deal with some of the issues in our own lives, knowing that our own pastor, our soon-to-be lead pastor, um, also has struggled with some of Why do you things. think it's so unusual or difficult for pastors to talk about this? Yeah, we're supposed to, a number of reasons. I, we're supposed to have it all together, right? We're supposed to be the ones who are modeling, you know, health and holiness, and uh, and 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 there is something, of course, to that. We want to be committed to that journey of health and and um, spiritual growth and looking more like Jesus and all of those things. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is the stigma in the church is well, we should just be able to pray all of this away. Right? I mean, if we just pray hard enough, if we just have enough faith. I mean, I think there's an implicit and sometimes not so implicit message that if we're not being healed of something, we don't have enough faith, which, of course, is not true. 
Um, faith is important. Prayer is important. The power of God is important and central to all of this. But something we say at Hosanna is that all healing is God's healing. It's all him. He's made it all possible. And so part of that stigma is, you know, sometimes the answer to our prayers needs to be the resources that God has made available, not just pray harder, pray harder, pray harder. I mean, that almost becomes a white-knuckle approach to, you know, mental health and, and struggles and healing. Instead, God said, no, I've made all of these resources possible. Mm-hmm. You know, like in James, book of James, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Right. Yeah. And there are resources out there now. And of course, there's been a stigma in churches for a long time about medication, um, therapy, and those kinds of things. And I would say, as a pastor, you know, board members from a church can make a huge difference. If a pastor feels safe with his or her board and can share these things with them, because that's the group really that pastors live in fear of, would be maybe fair for some. But if there's not freedom there, they're not going to feel free to share to the congregation. So if you're a board member, man, let your pastor be who he is. Ask some questions. Take him to coffee. How you doing? Yeah. Very rarely do you get asked as a pastor, how are you really doing? And then when you get asked that question, you're not sure you really want to answer it. Yeah. Because you don't know what the consequences are going to be. That's right. So you took a lo- you took a big step of faith there. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't regret it for a second. Um, you know, I always think, well, if we share this, people are going to think less of us or they're going to um, – they're not going to respect us as their leaders. But actually I find that um, the opposite is true, you know, that there's a deeper level of respect. And, and just allowing people to see our humanity um, connects people on a human level, connects us with people on a human level that we wouldn't otherwise. So um, I, I do believe wholeheartedly that we need to share – um, you know, obviously, you know, there are details to every, uh, yeah. you know, part of, of, of us that, you know, that we just share with some people, not everybody. But, but in terms of sharing the overall struggle with mental health and anxiety, um, I, I could not encourage pastors more to think about taking that next step toward doing that. What would you say to pastors that are just not comfortable being the center of a sermon or, you know, this, this would be me, for example. Uh, I'm never quite sure how much of my story yeah. to share, because I don't want to be the center. I mean, I'm up there to, I'm up there to help people understand more about who God is and, and so forth. And and I know it's important that I share some of my story, but w- w- it's hard to know if you've crossed that line yeah. to making it about you. Yeah. And you know how some some pastors stand up there and tell stories about their families and on and yeah. on they go. And, yeah. And I. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to yeah. be there. So, how did you, um, how do you kind of work that through about how much of your, how much of yourself to share? It's a great question, and of course, there is a tension there uh, that we have to manage. But however, um, Paul, Paul says the Apostle Paul, and Paul, you've been in ministry longer than I have. You could probably quote quote the verse. But when he says that, not only do we share the gospel with you, but our lives as well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know that that we are called to share our lives and not just. There's definitely um, there's definitely a tendency for some pastors to share they they make themselves subtly be, the hero right I have a yeah, tendency to right. do the opposite of right. that. So yeah, I have yeah, to watch right. you know mm-hmm. um, but but I think sharing our real struggles is so critical especially today when people outside the church um, already think that there's there's you know just some artificial um, 
quality to the church that they can't relate to. Um, you know, I think it's per, for people outside the church too. And the other thing I would say is ultimately we give glory to God. You know, my healing journey is not about Ryan Alexander. It's about Jesus. I, I'm not here today. You know, I heard God's audible voice that one time, but for the last 25 years, every step of the way, it's been Jesus doing what only he can do in my mm-hmm. life and mm-hmm. me giving credit to him. I had an early on in my ministry, I had a mentor say, our, our job is to preach and then duck, you know, to preach and then duck so that what people see is Jesus. So are we going to do that perfectly? No. Um, but but to risk the vulnerability, to risk sharing our story, um, people actually will see Jesus more if we ultimately point to him. So you mentioned back in this time of your life when you were recovering from that suicide attempt, how dark was it for you? Yeah. And how did you work your way out of that? Yeah, it was it was dark. I mean, I think the first time that I attempted suicide, it was more of a cry for help. Um, the second time was, this is too painful. You know, what what I was experiencing, anxiety and the, and the fatigue and the exhaustion. Um, I think, you know, looking back on it now, I think there were probably some, some trauma-related uh, responses and, and um, dynamics playing out in my life, too, uh, that um, I just didn't understand. So it was so, so painful. And not only was it painful, but I, I didn't understand what was going on. And so, yeah, I really felt like I was... I was in. I was at the bottom. I was at rock bottom. I didn't know where I, where I was going to go from there. And um, and that's when God got a hold of me, thankfully. And, and He often does. I find with pe- people have to hit rock bottom. Unfortunately, sometimes <laughs> I think I did. Um, and and so yeah, it was a dark place. And how did I move through it? I mean, God's grace and Him showing up like only He can through people. Um, directly through the experiences that I had had throughout my life, learning about God. But I say that's when God dropped from my head to my heart in that moment and became very personal to me. But but the other thing I would say, too, is I look back on it now, and that was a big conversion moment for me. But but we also have lots of little c conversion moments over the course of our lives and every step of of that process. I just said it this weekend in a message. We just started a series um, on trauma, God and trauma. And I said, that, you know, be gentle with yourself. Healing is often a process. Sometimes people are healed instantaneously, miraculously, and that's awesome. I wish it happened for everybody. But most of the time, it's a process, taking advantage of, of all the resources that God has made available to us. We'll be back to the conversation with Paul and Ryan in just a moment. You know, Pastor Paul is hosting this program from a unique perspective. A survivor himself of family trauma, losing a wife and a son, and that's what life support is really all about. Survivors and discussion with survivors. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, And we are so pleased to be a co-sponsor of this program. And for more about our work, log on to www.lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul. Healing is often a process. Sometimes people are healed instantaneously, miraculously, and that's awesome. I wish it happened for everybody, but most of the time it's a process, taking advantage of, of all the resources that God has made available to us. I think we're we're trained kind of as believers to think that justification is the is that one moment and then that's kind of it. Yeah. And that moment of justification is awesome and awe-inspiring and uh deserves our gratitude, but then the gospel is needed every day of our lives. That's right. Because we're never really going to be healthy 
we're always going to be battling our sin, our sin nature. We're always going to be battling the infirmities of our bodies, the, the, the powers of darkness that are around us. Yeah. And I think that we have to continue to remind ourselves is that, you know, this is a daily thing. You're gonna, yeah. And you're going to have days when maybe the powers of darkness are going to, you know, they're going to take a little ground. Yeah. But, you know, ask for forgiveness, move on. Yeah. Because we're all in this together, and I think that's what's so important about your stories. People sitting in these pews in our churches need to know that they're not alone. But I think they think they're alone, don't you? Yeah, I do think that. And I, I totally agree with you, too, that, you know, there is justification and then there's sanctification. We're not going to, you know, I've got a Lutheran background. That can get funky. We're not going to, you know, go into <laughs> that one big time, right? But I, but, yeah. but I believe that, you know, it's what Paul's talking about, working out your salvation. Yeah. You know, Jesus accomplishes all that we need for salvation, and yet we are working that out over time. We, we, we say it this way, you know, there is a lot of emphasis. Some churches, the yes, say yes to Jesus. And that's great. But we really want people to say that yes after yes, after yes, after yes, which really is a daily yes, you know, to, yeah. to Jesus and, and the work that he wants to do in your life through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah, so how did your family react to this time in your life? What was going on around you when you were dealing with all this? And when I was in my late teens, early 20s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they, like me, were trying to figure out exactly what was going on. Um, I... Um, I know that some, again, some mental health uh, issues are, are genetic, and so I think that's probably a part of what I was dealing with there, too, of g- generational, um, but, but not a lot of understanding. And so, so I think they were looking for answers um, and, uh, and obviously very distraught and hurting for me and for them as parents and siblings. And, um, and so, yeah, it was a difficult time for our whole family and in many ways um, kind of shaped the course of, of our family's journey from there too, um, now in mostly positive ways. And so, yeah, it was, but it was hard. And, and it is, and I, I would say that, that, um, you know, for, for family members who have a loved one or a friend who, who is struggling with mental health issues, um, it, that can be deeply uh, troubling and painful and hard to figure out how to best support the people that you love. I also find it to be isolating yeah. because there are many, many families that are afraid to bring their children to a children's ministry or to a student ministry because they don't act like other kids. There's triggers there. They're afraid that they might do something to alienate themselves. And there's very few ministry workers that really know how to engage that. Yeah. And so part of what I so admire about you is the more we talk about this in churches, the more we can prepare ourselves yeah. and help these families uh, engage in the church. Because having children who have even disabilities that are unseen— are scared because they just don't know how to move into a church setting. Yeah. And so there's people out there that are just going like, I, I, there's no way that our family can fit in. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah. yeah. So it's so important to normalize it. And, um, and also, I say, yeah, at least a couple times a year, I think everyone could afford to go through some counseling. <laughs> right. Every yeah. single person. Yeah. And, then that, and if you think you're the one who doesn't, you probably need it more than anybody, yeah. right? Like right. we all need to work on some of the stuff. Some just have more than others because of nature, because of nurture. You know, we we've, we've have more to bring to that experience, but everyone has stuff. 
And so that's another way that we normalize it is to say, you know, this is actually an issue for everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. some just, you know, more than others. But but we all have some healing to do. How have you found the pandemic to be regarding mental health and what you're observing around you and so forth? Yeah. So, again, I talked a lot about this this past weekend and first week of our God and Trauma series. But uh, I, I think I heard someone say a few months in, we're probably all going to have a little PTSD from this experience. And, of course, there is actual PTSD. PTSD, and you know, we differentiate between big T trauma and little T trauma, and it's part. But the other thought that I've had about this past year is a lot of little T traumas can add up to a big T trauma experience, and I think um, that's been true. Also, secondary trauma, which you're probably familiar with, that you know, hearing about trauma, seeing trauma over and over again, can actually be traumatic for us. Which also relates to your question about family members and who have someone going through you know serious mental health struggles. Um, so, yeah, I would say this is um, going to have an effect on everybody. And the thing about trauma is it's affecting us, whether we know it or not. It's, it's affecting how we think, act, speak. Um, and so identifying it, naming it, um, being aware of it and how it's affecting our body, paying attention to how our bodies responding to trauma, the trauma Im- impact of trauma in our lives is super important. So, yeah, I, I see it all over. I was talking to a teacher the other day. And she said, I think the kids have kind of been white knuckling it up to this point. But now we're starting to see some of those emotional behavioral issues pop up. And I said, yeah, and it's not just the kids. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, we're all leaders of somebody. And I think uh, we as leaders need to have the awareness of that kind of trauma happening and really work on our bedside manner. You know, when we're when we're all walking through this together, um, we have to share information, we have to uh, put up boundaries, and so forth. But we need to do it in a way to recognize the fact that people really are hurting, yeah, legitimately hurting. They may not be showing it because they're individualistic Americans and they're not going to show you that they're hurting. Yeah. But it can be frustrating. And as church leaders especially, you know, to, to look out at our congregation with compassion and love, even the ones that are driving you crazy with uh, no masks or I won't come to church unless there are masks and you go back and forth and all this crazy stuff. But the reason that they believe these things is because of something inside of them. It's not that they're trying to be difficult. Yeah. So love, I think, is so important right now, Amen. which sounds a little cliche-ish. It sounds like the 60s. It sounds like we're on our way to Woodstock. Love yeah. is the important thing, man. Yeah. But, you know, it really is. Yeah. You know? It's true. Yeah. Love for others and love for ourselves. You know, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And this, this year, the last 14 months have been hard for everyone in some way, some more than others. But, but we need to um, be gentle with ourselves and remember that God loves us and we can love ourselves too in, in the midst of these traumatic times. Yeah, when you come back next time, I want to talk more about that aspect of this, is how do you love yourself and how do you navigate mental health if you feel like you may be struggling with that and haven't even identified it yet. But you're in the middle of a sermon series at your church, right? Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, God and Trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, had the first week this past weekend, and, and we're, um, we've got two more weeks to go. But really, we're following this trajectory of name, name it first, then begin to reframe it. And then you can begin to tame it in your life. Big T, little T traumas in our lives. Good for you. And where, where online can someone find that? You can go to hosannalc.org, okay. our website. I would recommend that. Ryan Alexander, the lead pastor at Hosanna, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Appreciate Paul. it very yeah. much. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. Ryan's story is a great story, and that's what we're here to tell you about. We're here to tell you how Jesus can intervene even in the darkest places 
of your life on life support. So thank you so much for spending time with us. And thank you for all of our wonderful partners that make this possible. Faith Radio, have they've been wonderful. They've given us a platform, www.myfaithradio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at Five Stone Media, and that website is fivestonemedia.com. There's also a tremendous content there to help you grapple with mental illness and how to work through it as a ministry leader. So I would highly recommend that you go there, fivestonemedia.com. And I'm the pastor at Ridgewood Church, and if you'd like to support the ministries of Ridgewood Church, including the production of Life Support, you can find that information at myrwc.org slash give. And so we're here to glorify Christ. I'm glad that you're here too. You can catch me on Twitter at Pastor Paul J. And again, thanks for joining us right here on Life Support. This is Steve Johnson again, Executive Director of Five Stone Media. And we've had the privilege of creating the Life Support Series and the Life Support Resource Library. The library includes tools and resources that can help you be equipped to come alongside others who are suffering and in pain. Among the tools are therapist webinars, sermon starters and transitions, short videos, small group material, and conferences. And you can find out more at this address, www.lifesupportresources.org. And again, that's lifesupportresources.org. And we'd love to introduce you to the material. This life support program is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. listening to this life support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of life support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.